0: Book One, Chapter Five of Amelia, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marie Hoffman. Amelia by Henry Fielding. Chapter Five. Containing Certain Adventures Which Befell Mr. Booth in the Prison. The remainder of the day mr booth spent in melancholy contemplation on his present condition he was destitute of the common necessaries of life and consequently unable to subsist where he was nor was there a single person in town to whom he could with any reasonable hope apply for his delivery grief for some time banished the thoughts of food from his mind but in the morning Nature began to grow uneasy for want of her usual nourishment, for he had not eat a morsel during the last forty hours. A penny loaf which is, it seems, the ordinary allowance to the prisoners in Bridewell was now delivered him, and while he was eating this a man brought him a little packet sealed up, informing him that it came by a messenger, who said it required no answer. Mr. Booth now opened his packet, and after unfolding several pieces of blank paper successively, at last discovered a guinea, wrapped with great care in the inmost paper. He was vastly surprised at this sight, as he had few, if any, friends from whom he could expect such a favor, slight as it was, and not one of his friends as he was apprised knew of his confinement. As there was no direction to the packet, nor a word of writing contained in it, he began to suspect that it was delivered to the wrong person, and being one of the most untainted honesty, he found out the man who gave it him, and again examined him concerning the person who brought it, and the message delivered with it. The man assured Booth that he had made no mistake, saying, "'If your name is Booth, sir,' I am positive you are the gentleman to whom the parcel I gave you belongs. The most scrupulous honesty would perhaps, in such a situation, have been well enough satisfied in finding no owner for the guinea, especially when proclamation had been made in the prison that Mr. Booth had received a packet, without any direction, to which if any person had any claim, and would discover the contents, he was ready to deliver it to such claimant no such claimant being found i mean none who knew the contents for many swore that they expected just such a packet and believed it to be their property mr booth very calmly resolved to apply the money to his own use the first thing after redemption of the coat which mr booth hungry as he was thought of was to supply himself with snuff, which he had long to his great sorrow been without. On this occasion he presently missed that iron box, which the Methodist had so dexterously conveyed out of his pocket, as we mentioned in the last chapter. He no sooner missed this box than he immediately suspected that the gambler was the person who had stolen it. Nay, so well was he assured of this man's guilt that it may perhaps be improper to say he barely suspected it though mr booth was as we have hinted a man of a very sweet disposition yet was he rather overwarm, having therefore no doubt concerning the person of the thief he eagerly sought him out and very bluntly charged him with the fact the gambler whom i think we should now call the philosopher received this charge without the least visible emotion either of mind or muscle after a short pause of a few moments he answered with great solemnity as follows young man i am entirely unconcerned at your groundless suspicion he that censors a stranger as i am to you without any cause makes a worse compliment to himself than to the stranger you know yourself friend you know not me it is true indeed you heard me accused of being a cheat and a gamester but who is my accuser look at my apparel friend do thieves and gamesters wear such cloths as these play is my folly not my vice it is my impulse and I have been a martyr to it. Would a gamester have asked another to play when he could have lost eighteen pence and won nothing? However, if you are not satisfied, you may search my pockets. The outside of all but one will serve your turn, and in that one there is the eighteen pence I told you of. He then turned up his cloths, and his pockets entirely resembled the pitchers of the Belita's. Booth was a little staggered at this defence. He said the real value of the iron box was too inconsiderable to mention, but that he had a capricious value for it, for the sake of the person who gave it him. For though it is not, said he, worth sixpence, I would willingly give a crown to any one who would bring it me again. Robinson answered, If that be the case, you have nothing more to do but to signify your intention in the prison and i am well convinced you will not be long without regaining the possession of your snuff-box this advice was immediately followed and with success the methodist presently producing the box which he said he had found and should have returned it before had he known the person to whom it belonged adding with uplifted eyes "'that the spirit would not suffer him knowingly to detain the goods of another, "'however inconsiderable the value was. "'Why so, friend,' said Robinson, "'have I not heard you often say, "'the wickeder any man was the better, "'provided he was what you call a believer?' "'You mistake me,' cries Cooper, "'for that was the name of the Methodist. "'No man can be wicked after he is possessed by the spirit.' There is a wide difference between the days of sin and the days of grace. I have been a sinner myself. I believe thee, cries Robinson with a sneer. I care not, answered the other, what an atheist believes. I suppose you would insinuate that I stole the snuff-box. But I value not your malice. The Lord knows my innocence." He then walked off with the reward, and Booth, turning to Robinson, very earnestly asked pardon for his groundless suspicion, which the other, without any hesitation, accorded him, saying, You never accused me, sir. You suspected some gambler, with whose character I have no concern. I should be angry with a friend or acquaintance who should give a hasty credit to any allegation against me but I have no reason to be offended with you for believing what the woman and the rascal who was just gone and who was committed here for pickpocket which you did not perhaps know told you to my disadvantage and if you thought me to be a gambler you had just reason to suspect any ill of me. "'For I myself am confined here by the perjury of one of those villains "'who, having cheated me of my money at play, "'and hearing that I intended to apply to a magistrate against him, "'himself began the attack, "'and obtained a warrant against me of Justice Thrasher, "'who, without hearing one speech in my defence, "'committed me to this place.' "'Booth testified great compassion at this account. "'And he, having invited Robinson to dinner, they spent that day together. In the afternoon Booth indulged his friend with a game at cards, at first for halfpence, and afterwards for shillings, when fortune so favoured Robinson that he did not leave the other a single shilling in his pocket. A surprising run of luck in a gamester is often mistaken for somewhat else by persons who were not overzealous believers in the divinity of fortune i have known a stranger at bath who hath happened fortunately i might almost say unfortunately to have four by honours in his hand almost every time he dealt for a whole evening shunned universally by the whole company the next day and certain it is that mr booth though of a temper very little inclined to suspicion began to waver in his opinion WHETHER THE CHARACTER GIVEN BY MR. ROBINSON OF HIMSELF, OR THAT WHICH THE OTHERS GAVE OF HIM, WAS THE TRUER. IN THE MORNING HUNGER PAID HIM A SECOND VISIT, AND FOUND HIM AGAIN IN THE SAME SITUATION AS BEFORE. AFTER SOME DELIBERATION, THEREFORE, HE RESOLVED TO ASK ROBINSON TO LEND HIM A SHILLING OR TWO OF THAT MONEY WHICH WAS LATELY HIS OWN and this experiment, he thought, would confirm him either in a good or evil opinion of that gentleman. To this demand Robinson answered with great alacrity that he should very gladly have complied had not fortune played one of her jade tricks with him, for since my winning of you, said he, I have been stripped not only of your money but my own he was going to harangue farther but booth with great indignation turned from him this poor gentleman had very little time to reflect on his own misery or the rascality as it appeared to him of the other when the same person who had the day before delivered him the guinea from the unknown hand again accosted him and told him a lady in the house so he expressed himself desired the favour of his company Mr. Booth immediately obeyed the message and was conducted into a room in the prison, where he was presently convinced that Mrs. Vincent was no other than his old acquaintance, Miss Matthews. End of Book One, Chapter Five Recording by Marie Hoffman